Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 265. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show, episode 265 here. We've got Gary Douglas on the show today. Who is Gary Douglas? He's a best-selling author. He's an international speaker. He's a sought-after facilitator, all those good things. But I brought Gary on the show because he's known for his, um, I don't know, his intensity of awareness, his his capacity to facilitate people to know know what they know. And he has this idea of conscious capitalism or benevolent capitalism. And that really um, caught my attention. And, um, you know, I'm a passionate about capitalism, as you know, of listening to the show. And so what is conscious capitalism? What is benevolent capitalism? And so we talk about it on this show. He has a whole different way of looking at things. I just truly loved and enjoyed talking with Gary. He's just a, a fasting individual and his whole belief is around, um, you know, this idea of embodying consciousness in everything, you know, being fully present no matter where you're at, um, inspires others to choose to become more conscious as a result. And it's an interesting concept, and I just thoroughly enjoyed talking to him. He's internationally recognized thought leader in transforming lives and creating different choices, you know, allowing people, empowering people to see whole different possibilities and recognize what is truly possible for them. And so I love individuals that are all about that, embracing that. He's been acknowledged worldwide for his, this unique perspective on personal transformation. And it's really unlike anything I've ever had a conversation with anybody about. And um, he's a great writer, workshops. Anyway, fascinating individual. And I think you're really going to enjoy Gary Douglas on uh, the the show and the conversation. Again, hope you're finding some value in Dose of Leadership. Again, reach out to me at richardryerson.com. You can learn more about all of my coaching, my speaking, and my masterminding there. Reach out there, doseofleadership.com. You can support the show on Patreon if you're so inclined. It would be much appreciated if you did. And if you want to support the show, free access for you, or free access or resource for you in your leadership journey. So any support much like PBS you can provide, I would be internally grateful. Patreon.com slash Dose of Leadership, or you can go to my doseofleadership.com and you can look in the left-hand sidebar and click on the support us on Patreon. All right, hope your leadership journey is going well. Again, reach out to me and let me know if I can help in any way. In the meantime, enjoy this conversation with Gary Douglas, best-selling author, international speaker, and sought-after facilitator around conscious capitalism. Well, Gary, what an honor to have you on Dose of Leadership. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm very impressed with your work. I mean, just looking at everything that you do, how did you become um, passionate? Or what led you to this path of where you're, what you're doing today? Well, it's like, first of all, I would like to correct one point of view, like the word passion. Mm. Until 1946, the passion was to be tacked to the cross as was Christ. And what I started doing is creating what I love. One thing I noticed is that when I was loving doing something, I would do this thing of, of becoming so involved in something, I would forget to eat. And it's like when you're doing something you totally love, you even forget to eat. And it's like you are so, it's like the energy is there, everything is there for you, you're having the experience of the enthusiasm of living. 
which is a whole different perspective about things. And it's like I'm over 70 years old and I have an enthusiasm for living and I work, I work usually 10 to 12 hours a day and 28 days a month. You know, that, that word passion, it was, I was having a conversation the other week. Is, is, do you think it's a word that gets overused? I mean, what does that even do? Well, it's like if you look at it from the point of view of, you know, get tacked to the cross, one of the, thing that, one of the things that occurred for me personally was that I, I did this thing of, of, you know, it's like I would have a passionate love affair, and I always ended up tacked to the cross at the end of it. Yeah. You know, it's like, so for me... Passion is always about where you end up, you know, tacked up on the cross of, you know, conventionality. Because it's not about the enthusiasm, which is the creative energy of things. And I'm always looking for what additional things can I create or be or do. And for me, that's the gift that everything is. It's like this constant state of seeking a different possibility and seeing what's actually possible from a different direction. It almost starts, and I talk about this from, from a leadership perspective. If you if you can reach the point of where you completely become self aware of yourself first and foremost, and everything around you, then things start to change. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know that's exactly right because you want to be aware of everything. Uh, a while back, I was you know having letting off steam because somebody had done something that was you know pissing me off dynamically. So I'm screaming and yelling. And we're in Costa Rica and this, you know, it's like I'm with my, you know, two good friends who are also the people who help me create access. And and I'm sitting there and I'm yelling at him and I look out the window and I see about, you know, 100 meters away, I see a six-foot iguana in a, in a dead tree. And I'm going, is that a six-foot iguana over there? And they go, how can you do that? <laughs> and I go, what do you mean? How can you be aware of that six-foot iguana when you have so much anger that you're dealing with? I said, easy. Just because I'm angry doesn't mean I'm dead. I'm still aware. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's sort of the same thing. It's like I, you know, owed some money to the to the tax department. And I was, you know, it's like I'm, you know, it's like and I went and I spent some money. And the people said, how can you do that when you owe taxes? I said, easy. I owe taxes. I'm not dead. I'm still creating my life. And you have to have that enthusiasm for creation of your life because that's the only way you're going to handle the taxes. That's the only way you're going to create a different possibility. Well, you hit on a great point that I think to realize and becoming aware that you are a creative being. I guess it's it's my biggest challenge has been from a leader and just personally as a man is like, like you said, the the distractions, the anger, the taxes, the debt, uh, the relationship failure, whatever the case may be, you can never get out of the space. But it's almost like, and it, as we're sitting here at speed zero talking about it, it sounds even kind of silly. But you're thinking it's it is becoming aware that every moment, every interaction, is an opportunity for creativity and growth. It, it, am I yeah. simplifying? It? I mean, right? I mean, that's what it's it's getting out of your own head almost. Yeah, well, I would only say the only difference I would have in that is I would say it's an opportunity for it's a possibility for greater awareness. Yeah, and if you become more aware of different things, you have more choices. And one of the things I always ask people to do is, you know, ask this question every day: What can I add to my life today to make everything come to fruition right away? Because you got to look at what you can add to your life, not what you can subtract. What most people try to do is subtract. Bad economic times. One of the things I've noticed is people are always trying to figure out how to, you know, to 
diminish their cost. You know, and it's like, I don't do that. I don't go, okay, I'm going to diminish my cost. I go, how can I increase my revenue? And it's like, if you look at how you can create another revenue stream or how you can look at something different that would create more revenue stream, you come out of those bad economic times in a heartbeat. It's, I'm interested. Are you a man of, of faith? Uh, I have faith in consciousness. Am I, you know, a good Christian? I believe in God, but I don't go to church. Right. I, you know, it's like I, I, I grew up in a family where my my parents went to. They were they were Christmas and and Easter Christians. Right. They went to church on Christmas and on Easter, but they didn't go to church any other time. And for me, it was always about what do I need to be aware of here? What do I need to look at? Well, I guess, yeah. yeah. And that's why I ask is because for me, I think my self-awareness started to expand when I started having a relationship um, with God, right, for me. And I was like, that everything you're talking about was, was having this constant kind of conscious conversation, which led to this greater awareness of everything around me of creativity, of thankfulness, of, um, a possibility. Right. It's like suspending the belief on how things are going to happen. I just know they're going to happen. Does that resonate with you? Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is I would look at it from the point of view of my God is consciousness. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like consciousness. You know, consciousness includes everything and judges nothing. Ooh, I love that. Yeah, and you know, and it's like unfortunately, I've met too many people whose gods judge everybody. Yes, except, you know, yes. And it's like, and that's the thing I don't live. I don't live well with. Yeah, I don't either. The people who judge do judgment. I was, I was in an airport, and these people were looking at me, and they said, "What do you do?" And I said, "I go around the world teaching people how to change their lives." And they go, wow, that's so cool. Is it faith-based? And I said, well, it's faith in the goodness of mankind. No, no. Is it faith-based? <laughs> I said, what do you mean? Is it, you know, is it about Christ? And I go, no, it includes all religions and it includes all, you know, possibilities. And, you know, and they looked at me and they spit on the floor and wouldn't talk to me again. That's crazy. I thought, wow. This is Christian charity. Yeah, this, it's like I'm sorry, I don't, I don't buy that. Not good. I don't either. And I think if you, even, if you a follower of Christ, and and you see what he, I mean, to me, he was, you know, he's the one that you know ate with the, he was the one accused of eating with the sinners, right? I mean, he included everyone. Yep. And um, no, I, I love what you say there. What? How does this tie into? I'm very curious about your book, Benevolent Capitalism. How does all of this kind of awareness and this belief in the possibilities, kind of this, we all have this unlimited potential. When I look at your stuff and I read your stuff, I, I, I get excited because it, it, it taps into what I strongly believe that we all have unlimited potential or at least more potential than we can ever possibly use in a lifetime. How does that tie into benevolent capitalism? First of all, what is that? Benevolent capitalism means for the, you know, bene, for the, you know, for the benefit of all. And capitalism is increasing your stock, basically. And, uh, you know, it's like the difficulty is, it's like most of us have this point of view that capitalism is about taking advantage of others. 
but I don't, I don't believe it has to be, and I don't think you take advantage of others. Right. Well, I do believe in taking advantage of others in this sense. I will go to the person who interacts with everybody all the time, and I will ask them what their point of view is and what they can see that we should do differently. The person that answers the phone, the person that deals with the public, they are the people that give you the greatest information for changing your business. You know, it's like the, the capitalist model right now is the guy at the top decides what has to be done and then it filters down. My point of view, the guy at the bottom should be, it should be filtering up to those that are in charge so they can use that information to create a greater possibility. And, you know, it's not about creating the better bottom line. It's about creating a place where everybody benefits. It's like there used to be that kind of capitalism yeah. in the world, but it doesn't exist anymore. It became all about the bottom line and the dollar value and how to get your share off the top. And that's not benevolent capitalism. Yeah, I would, how do we all win? I agree with you. And I, I love how you, you know, um, pointed that out throughout history. Some of the great um, capitalists throughout history, history have been benevolent in nature. Right. If you look, if you go back far enough, and I love how um, it's about. Again, it goes back to to me. It goes back to um, unlimited possibilities, and I think that's something that I know that I'm hungry for to hear somebody, or at least to see some sort of system where there's unlimited possibilities, and it's not about. Um, fairness per se. It's about the unlimited possibilities. To me, that's what that that is the part of the message that never seems to get communicated. True. You know, the thing is, you've got to be able to see every possibility that exists and how you can use it. And it's like you've got to see the you know the possibilities. Now, it's like I mentioned in one of my seminars. I was talking about. You know, it's like you never know what the deal is. You know, it's like I used to go to garage sales because I never had any money. I'd go to garage sales to buy things. And I went to a garage sale one time, and there was a bracelet there, and it said 14 karat gold on it. And, and it's like, and it said 1500. I thought, I wonder if they're asking 1500. So I picked it up and said, How much is this? And the woman says, $15, and it's 14 karat gold. <laughs> and I went, I'll take it. Right. Now, Five antique dealers had been at that same sale. I think they saw it as $1,500, so they passed it up. I was willing to ask the question. Right. You know, and it's like, well, how do you take advantage of that little old lady? I said, she knew it was 14 karat gold. Obviously, she felt good about it. She was happy for me to buy it. Right. I said, you know, it's like we have to stop looking the gifts that we are given in the mouth and start looking at how this is going to benefit everybody. And it's like, what? Yeah, it's like we go, no, you can't do that. But it's like I see people all the time who do evil stuff to, to other people. And I, I don't believe in that. Can't do that one. But I know that you've got to have this place where you're willing to see the gifts that you're given and be grateful for those. You know, you would probably say grateful to God for it. I just have gratitude for the universe to having provided it. And I consider the universe, you know, the tantamount to everything God is. Yeah. I used, I used to go to church and I'd go, I don't like this place. Yeah. And my mother said, well, you know, it's like, where do you find God? And I said, out in the forest. I said, that's where I feel God. And she goes, yeah, that's, he's everywhere. He's everywhere. 
You know, and it's like if you start to look from that point of view, then you've got a different perspective, a different possibility available. I love that. And I love the fact that and this is what frustrates me when I see, you know, the current state of politics and business when we pe- and people talk about capitalism. I mean, at the heart of capitalism is it is the most creative and innovative force or system that's on the planet. And it never gets talked in those terms. I think you're right. It gets talked in the terms of, you know, providing money and bottom dollar. Yeah. But that wealth and that can create freedom and, and, and the inno- and that freedom can create even more innovation and more creativity. And it just kind of feeds upon itself. And I think the innovation, the creativity piece gets kind of lost in the noise. And then I love how you're attacking the, you know, being benevolent about it. It's like it's, it's so it can, I guess, really do little harm as possible, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a as possible and benefit as many as, as possible. As many as possible, right. I well, love that. I mean, the whole idea of, of capitalism was trading what you had a lot of for something you had little of so that everybody had more of everything. Like that's what it is and that's what it should be. So what do you say to, um, you know, you look at the examples and you look at fast food restaurants or you look at uh, making iPhones and, and, and um, from an economist point of view, it's like, well, look, I need to, I need to buy my hamburger at the cheapest price. So as a capitalist, I'm going to go search for that, um, Cheap price. Cheap price, and that ends up, you know, or even the cheap labor, and I'm, and, and I don't know. So how do you how do you reverse the trend? I guess how do you reverse people's mindset that look, the, doing that is not sustainable. We have to do something different to kind of create some sort of sustainability. How well, do, what can we what can I do sitting here in Wichita, Kansas, to start to change the world? Well, you do it one day at a time, one act at a time. <laughs> It's like what you got to do is you got to look at, okay, so how is this going to benefit everybody? Me eating McDonald's is going to benefit who? Right. Right. McDonald's. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's like it's interesting because McDonald's has been so successful and now they're closing down restaurants all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because people are getting aware that they need to eat in a different way. You know, and it's like, and if you start to listen to your body, does your body like a lot of crappy food or a little bit of really good food? Yeah, I guess I even think that. I mean, I guess the individual choices, I guess, but I, for myself, of being an entrepreneur and everybody else, and I'm passionate about capitalism, I want to do something even bigger. And so certainly, yeah, I get it. I'm going to not eat at McDonald's more because I need it doesn't benefit my body. It doesn't benefit everybody else. But if you look at the politicians that, uh, and I look at the current political race, it almost seems hopeless, you know? Like what can I do to change that whole dynamic? Well, it's like I'm not sure we're going to be able to take, you know, to change politics until enough people achieve consciousness to actually change that as a reality. Because right now, what people do is they get so involved in the limitations that people talk about. Yeah. You know, it's like it's all about, like, you know, put up fences, keep the people out. Well, it's like there's a great movie. I don't know whether you've watched it or not. It's called A Day Without a Mexican. It's wonderful. It's like this pink cloud covers California. 
and all the Mexicans disappear. <laughs> and suddenly there's no garbage collection and there's no food being processed and there's nobody on the freeway. And, you know, and then it gives all these stats on all the things that people say are bad about the illegals being here. And it's like, no, without them, there would be so little being created because they are, they are so grateful to be here. They work hard. They save their money. They do everything that was the American dream 50 years ago. They do it today. And yet we're saying they're foreigners and they don't belong here. You know, and there was a wonderful movie that was put out uh, a while back about how there's so many of these kids that were born in the United States mm -hmm. that are considered illegal, but they've gone through, you know, grade school, they've gone through high school, they're going to college, and they are producing great results in the United States because they believe in hard work and they believe in bettering them and their families and, and the world. It's like, these are the future Americans and we're like, like trying to kick them out. This is not exactly our smartest motivation. It's like we need to be more focused on um, promoting the American dream and educating them on why America is so great. I think inherently they see that. I mean, otherwise, that's why they came here. I mean, they yeah. see a better opportunity. And the place is opportunity. And, you know, it's like in Mexico, they don't have that opportunity. Right. And they see this and they, they desire it and they want what we have to offer. And they come and they get it. And I think it's just marvelous. And to make it hard on people who are not here legally is kind of nuts from my point of view. Because it's like, where's the benevolence of that? And where's the capitalistic possibility? Where do we create from? And that's the one thing. Benevolent capitalism is about being creative, never about being dimin you know, diminishing. Yeah. If, if you don't diminish people, the world opens up to greater possibilities. Without without the greater possibilities, our survival is limited. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's even from a leadership perspective, you think about, and I always harp on, I hate leaders that, or anybody that tries to hoard their information, think I'm, I'm holding things close to my chest because I want I don't want to lose my position, my title, or my advantage. Well, but the they, yeah, and the reality is saying that they call intellectual property. Yeah. It's so interesting because I'm, I just basically give everything away. Right. You know, and I tell everybody everything and I don't hold anything back and I'll tell anything about anything. And people go, how can you do that? What are you going to do when you run out of, you know, it's like, what are you going to do? Your intellectual property is out there for the entire world. I said, yeah, it should be. Yeah. They go, what do you mean? I said, because every time I give away as much as what I, as much as I can, I get more. Yeah, you get more back than you even thought you could get back. Yeah. And it's like there's so much. The world is abundant. I mean, people don't get the abundance of the world. They look at what's in their bank account and they go, I don't have. And it's like, but I look at the world and it's like you look out and it's like you ever seen somebody, you know, shave off a vacant lot? Mm -hmm. yeah. How long does it take for it to be full of weeds? Yeah. Not very Maximum long. three months. Yeah, not very long. <laughs> it's like the universe is bold and loves to give it's like I, I live in Texas and I have this area in my yard that that is covered by trees so none of the grasses that everybody likes here in Texas grow under and so I sent to California for some dichondra seed 
and I planted this dichondra seed under these trees. Well, it started to grow and it's kind of doing okay. But all of a sudden I saw that all over my entire property, these seeds are growing and they were never seeded there. I went, how the heck does that happen? Right. Birds eat them and they, you know, dumped them out. And, the, you know, the squirrels ate them and they dumped them out. And it just continuously got, you know, got spread around our entire lawn. So now we have a lawn that's primarily dichondra. And it's like, how the heck does that happen? That's nature's way. Nature will take what is great and spread it. Why don't we take what is great about us and spread it? And in so doing, create a greater world. I love that. You know, and it's and what people need to realize is the power, the, the, and it all begins with us. We just have to opt in to believe that. And it's the choice to, to look around and shift your mindset from one of scarcity to one of abundance. It doesn't cost anything to do that. It mm. costs absolutely nothing. You just have to opt in and, and believe well, and start looking at the way. It does cost you one thing. What's that? You have to give up all your fixed, stupid points of view. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true, though. Yeah. And I don't know how you can do that. I mean, for me, it was at least, uh, honest to God, it, it started to me with me by starting my mornings from a place of gratitude, of just being thankful that I could put my feet on the floor. And, That's and, the greatest and, thing there is. You know, gratitude is the thing that opens the door to all possibility. Yep. Be grateful for everything you get and everything you have. I mean, somebody said to me, well, what do you do about people who lie to you? I said, I'm grateful for the liar. I know I can trust that they will always lie to me. <laughs> right. I never have to believe what they say. I just have to know if they say something is true. Because mostly they're going to lie. Yeah. And people go, that's just weird. And I go, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, I mean, recently I had some people who like tried to bankrupt me and tried to take as much money from me as they possibly could. And I looked at it and I went, okay. You know, it's like, and what came out of it was, it's like when I fired them, it's like literally everybody in that's been working for me stepped up to a level of capacity I didn't know they had. And they all got on board and started creating more in order to make up for the damage these people had tried to do. I went, wow, I am so grateful. And I'm so blessed to have people like this in my life. And that's the thing that's, you know, that's with benevolent capitalism. That's the thing I think people need to do with the people that work for you. Be grateful for what they do for you. You know, it's like, I'm grateful for the lady who cleans my house. She's wonderful. Yeah. You know, I'm grateful for the guy who fix, fixes my car. And I will express my gratitude financially and otherwise. Yeah. So you got to look at it. And it's like, for me, the purpose of money is to change people's realities. Yep. And it's like, if you use your money to change people's realities, you'll change realities. Yeah. I, I had an uh, experience. I was in Pennsylvania and I had an appointment. I was early. And uh, so we went to a donut shop. And I, you know, it's like I asked the lady for a cup of coffee and a donut for me and my friend. And so she goes over and she gets one cup of coffee and she brings back. And I said, can we have cream and sugar? 
And she goes back and she gets the cream and sugar. And then I say, can I have a cup of coffee too? And she goes back and gets another cup of coffee. And then she, I said, oh, I'd like this kind of donut. My friend would like this kind. So she goes and gets one of them and she brings them back. So she's made like 10 trips to get us coffee and cream and all this stuff. And I said, yes, like, have you ever done this before? And she just burst into tears. No, I've never done anything. I've never worked my entire life. I was a housewife and for 25 years and my husband divorced me. And now I don't know what I'm going to do and I'm going to starve to death. Hmm. Okay, well, let me give you a little pointer on how to do this. So I showed her how to, you know, to put two cups of coffee and a creamer on one hand and two donuts on the other and spoons in the other hand and deliver it all at once. She goes, oh, my God, that's so easy. I said, yeah, it is easy. So the bill came at $6.79, so I left her $13. (laughs) She came running outside, and she goes, sir, sir, you gave me too much money. I said, no, that's just to let you know you will be fine, and you will succeed. Worry not. Mm -hmm. And the change in her universe for six friggin' dollars? Yeah was enormous that's the kind of change you want to create in the world yeah and it's, it's not well, the amount of money you have it's no. about acknowledging people for the fact that they can do they can be that's like six dollars that's yeah. nothing i think it's, a, it's such a great point because this intentional um application of of adding value yeah. To everyone and everything, I think people underestimate that power. I, I love that story. I love that example. You're absolutely right. Is that I can't. I've had a lot of people, even some high level executives and coaches, asking, "Well, how can I be this impactful, influential leader? I want, I want the formula." And I'm like, "All you have to do is change your mindset to adding value to everyone and everything, and that is the cashier." or the waitress at the donut shop. It's, it's everybody you come in contact with and it takes, yeah, it takes effort. It's, but it, it is, it is so powerful and we have way more influence than we give ourselves credit for. Only in the beginning does it take effort because only in the beginning do you have this sense that, that, you know, it's like, Oh my God, this is not the set. This is not right. Right. It's like, I will give a 25% tip where all the people my age give a 15% tip. Right. It's like, and you watch a waiter or waitress chain. And it's like, and you don't have to do things that cost money either. Mm-mm. Like there's a restaurant that I go into that I ask the waiters about their lives, what they're doing, how they got to be doing what they're doing. Are they having fun with it? What's, you know, what, what's the best thing about their job? And it's like, you show an interest in other people. And suddenly they become, they're grateful that somebody sees them because most people ignore them. Most people treat waiters and waitresses like they're some kind of scum. Right. It's like, I, you know, it's like for me, every person has value. And if you don't get that, you are missing that which will create great wealth. That is so true. I love that. One of my early mentors and was, I was, very good at striking up conversation. We'd go to a restaurant or whatever. And he would strike up conversations with anyone and everyone. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I could never do that. And I remember just watching and the, the richness that came out of just those conversations or having the kind of getting over yourself and having that courage to strike up a conversation with a stranger. It produced so much richness and wealth, and I'm not talking about financial, but, and sometimes it did, it led to, you know, 
future business. But that wasn't why he was having the conversation. He was just having a conversation because he was insatiably curious about this person. And it led to the most remarkable conversations that I just, you know, that really started to open my eyes. And a lot of what you're talking about kind of reminds me of that. It just, the world is so abundant around us if we're willing to opt in. And if we just ask questions, yeah. And- yeah, if we ask questions and we be interested, most people are trying to be interesting. Yeah. Trying to be interesting, yeah. the end result is nobody's interested in you. Exactly. Oh, I love it, man. I love your stuff. I love I love your philosophy. Thank you. Um, how can people find you, get in touch with you, learn more about you, engage well, with you? Go to GaryDouglas.com and uh or accessconsciousness.com or drdane.com. We have free stuff. We have all kinds of free stuff we do because we know that not everybody can afford the things that we charge for, and we still want the world to change, and we want the world to become a better place. So we give away as much as we can to make life better. We have a, you know, we have a on Voice America Empowerment Channel. We have a, a radio show we do every week. We're irreverent and terrible people, but we have a good time. <laughs> well, I have links to all this, Gary. I'm, you always have a welcome home here at Dose of Leadership. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to learn more about you, to learn more about benevolent capitalism. And you're absolutely right. You go to your, your websites and everything. There's just a plethora of information and value added. I encourage all my listeners to explore everything that Gary has to offer. Gary, thank you for coming on the show. It means a lot to me. Thank you for having me, Richard. You're an awesome guy. I like you. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I like you too. Cool. Thank you so much. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership eBook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.